every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I am the Boone County Clerk in Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And we are very excited today to be talking to Paul DeGregorio. He's going to be talking to us about the EAC and HAVA. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Brianna, and thank you, thank you Eric. It's indeed an honor because I, uh, both of you are uh, just wonderful election officials and wonderful people. So it's an honor to be on this show. Oh, thank you. So first we always ask with our introductory question, which I know for you is very involved because you've spent a lifetime in elections, but how did you get your start and, and what was your career path in the election space? Well, it started in 1970 when I uh, volunteered for um, a campaign and Kit Bond was running for state auditor back then. And I decided I lived on the Hill, I decided to hand out literature. You know, uh, many people around the country know that uh, because they, they have been involved in politics. And it kept me interested in elections and the election process. And 1972, I was Kit Bond's youth coordinator and uh, in St. Louis, and I handed out literature on the Hill and, and uh, actually uh, Kit Bond did relatively well on the Hill. And uh, my dad was the mailman for the Hill. And he said, you know, uh, you did pretty well and the, and the Democrats are not happy. And I said, well, how do I get the results? She said, go see Uncle Lito, Uncle Lito DiMartino at the St. Louis City Board of Elections. So I went downtown and I saw Uncle Lito, who was the assistant director of elections. And he got out the old books and he showed me the results, which were handwritten because there was the old lever machines and results were handwritten down in a book. And he gave me the little tour of the election office to kind of explain how things worked. And that was the spark that you know gave me the interest in this whole field of election administration and things evolved from there uh, i ran john ashcroft's campaign for attorney general in missouri in 1976 when i was 24 and then i was on john ashcroft's kitchen cabinet and i was the go-to guy for when the deadline was for voter registration absentee voting campaign finance disclosures I was the person they turned to with that information and I made it my business to understand it. And then uh, I went from there when, when John Ashcroft became governor in 1984, I expressed an interest in the St. Louis County Board of Elections and you know the governor appoints the election board there. And I had been Ashcroft's assistant. I had worked at a special assistant in the Reagan administration. I wanted to be a, an administrator and so uh, the St. Louis County Board of Election Commissioners hired me as the Republican director in May of 1985. My goal from the first day was to be the best election official in the state and, and in the country. And I, I took a, an office that was pretty much patronage ridden and, um, and backwards. We had the old big 17 pound poll books and within a year and a half of me getting there, we had made them into electronic uh, digitized poll books, still paper, but uh, a great improvement. So that's how I got my start. 
and um, I learned from others. I know you're also at least somewhat responsible for getting Matt Masterson into elections. Maybe you'd like to share a little bit of that with the audience. During the course of my term there, each EAC commissioner had a special assistant. And so I had one. I, I, I got to have my own special assistant. But I had a good friend from Cincinnati, an election official there, who asked me if I had any internships. And so it was the year I became chairman, 2006. So I went to the executive director and said, do I get an intern or can I have an intern? He says, oh, yes, Mr. Chairman, you can have an intern. So uh, this friend of mine, he gave me the name of a guy named Matt Masterson, who had just graduated from law school. And um, I interviewed Matt. Uh, I interviewed other people, too. But I interviewed Matt, and he was quite impressive. And he was interested in elections and interested in uh, Washington, D.C. And so I decided to bring him in as my intern. And I was really impressed by him. I mean, he was hardworking and he wanted to learn from me about elections. And so I had him do research. I had him meet with election officials, come to meetings with me and hear my discussions with election officials. He was just hungry for all that. And, and his research and his knowledge and his writing was, was impeccable. Well, it just so happens three months later, my special assistant quit to move back to Michigan and so I, uh, I offered Matt the job as my special assistant because he was so good. You know, I just really let him flourish in that job and serve me because he was so good at what he did. And he really helped me as a commissioner, write speeches, do research, present information to me before I, uh, I made decisions. And uh, he was really into um, elections. And I, and I mentored him. I mean, I really mentored him in, in this whole business of elections and how it worked in a bipartisan spirit. You know, and he saw the pressures I was under by, particularly uh, became under, under the under Republicans to vote a certain way or to bring up issues that were not, in my view, not relevant to the Help America Vote Act. Um, he saw that, you know, and he saw, you know, uh, what I had to go through. And he also witnessed the fact that I wasn't reappointed in 2007 uh, by the White House, you know, and I, and I had a phone call from Roy Blunt to, to inform me of that. And Roy was very sorry. I mean, he was extremely sorry. He said, you know, that I had the full support of him and, and, and Kit Thon and, and others, but that the, there were certain people uh, who did not want me reappointed because they said I wasn't Republican enough and I was just too bipartisan. It was a sad thing, but it happened. And so when I was leaving the EAC, Tom Wilkie was the executive director. And I said, Tom, there's only one thing I ask of you is to take care of Matt Masterson and, and keep him on. I said, because the guy's good. And he said to me, he said, Paul, you don't have to worry about that. He said, I have an idea where we're going to place Matt because he is so good. And he was so helpful, not just to me, but the whole staff of the EAC. So I was very thrilled. Years later, when uh, when Matt called me, told me that he'd tell me that he was uh, was being considered for the EAC, and should he do it? And I said, you know, please, uh, by far. I mean, you are so good; you'd be great at it. And nothing made me happier than to call Senator Roy Blunt when his appointment was languishing in the Senate, and asking Roy, "This is really a really good person, and I'm asking you this favor to get." get this guy confirmed. And it was in the last days of the Republicans controlling the Senate back then. And Roy came through and he got Matt confirmed to the EAC and Matt got to serve on the EAC for about almost similar length that uh, I did. 
and uh, he made such a, an amazing difference, you know, and, he, and, and such a, a good, uh, good person, but a, really an amazing election official and public servant. Uh, but sadly, he was not reappointed for the same reasons I was not reappointed. And he, you know, so he had seen my experience and he, uh, you know, he, he was aware of, of the politics, sort of more or less, of things like this. Uh, but it was one of my proudest moments, you know, in my life to help somebody like that. And, uh, but, you know, from those who know me out there, many do, one of the things that I, I try to do is to mentor people, young people, particularly involved in elections, whether it's here in the United States or abroad, to help them in their careers. Because I think that, you know, we need, uh, we need really good people. You know, the situation today compared to what, I, what it was in 1985, when I became director of elections in St. Louis County, or in 2003, when I was on the EAC, uh, is so much different is that the level of professionalism of election officials is so much higher. And the awareness of election administration is so much higher. But at the same time, I think all of us know that the trust in elections uh, is at a low that hasn't been seen since probably 2000. And it's really, um, it's really sad for this country. During my years as election director, 1985 to 1993, it coincided with Roy Blunt um, being the Missouri Secretary of State. And I had met Roy in 1973 when he was appointed county clerk of uh, Greene County. And I was at a, uh, my first ever Republican Lincoln Day in Kansas City. And I met Roy there uh, just briefly, but I met him subsequent to that. And before he was Secretary of State, he had run for Lieutenant Governor, actually, in 1980. And so uh, I, I developed a good, strong friendship with Roy. And, and Roy um, asked me to help train uh, county clerks and new election officials as they came along. So I got to know Roy uh, very well. He, uh, of course, then went to Congress after that and got into uh, leadership. And then... Um, you know, in 1990, when I was election director, uh, we had the closest congressional race in the country. 52 votes separated the winner from loser. It was in the second congressional district. And Joan Kelly Horn, a Democrat, had defeated Jack Beekner, a Republican, uh, the Republican incumbent by 52. And we had punch cards. And so we went through six weeks of scrutiny by the House Administration Committee and the Democratic National Committee, the Republican committees on both sides and many lawyers. We, we did the recount, and uh, instead of losing by 52, he lost by 54, but the votes only changed by two, and it was because of what I learned from others around the country and using punch cards that you sharpen the stylus, you take the hanging chat out, the chat out of the back to make sure you have clean punches. So that was in 1990, 10 years before 2000. Then we had Bush versus Gore, and the country and the world knew about punch card voting and pregnant chat and hanging chat and all those kinds of things. And uh, there was a real push for election reform and various committees were formed by election officials and others bipartisan committees uh, for election reform throughout the country. And if you, in the context of 2001, George W. Bush is president, Republicans controlled the Senate up until May 24th when then Senator Jim Jeffords became a Democrat, and so the, the Democrats barely controlled the Senate, and, and the Republicans controlled the House, but not by much. 
And so uh, there was a real push to get something done in a bipartisan spirit for election reform in the country. And Roy Blunt, who was well-respected in the House and moving up in leadership, was asked if he might be interested in chairing a committee, a bipartisan committee, actually, on election reform in the House, a representative. And he approached me if I was interested in being the executive director of that committee. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. It was just supposed to be a six-week committee to come up with legislation that they can pass in the House, bipartisan legislation. So um, I agreed to it. But then it was just a few weeks later when uh, Congressman Bob Ney, who was chairman of the House Administration Committee, decided, no, he wanted the election legislation to come from his committee. And so this bipartisan committee didn't, didn't come about, but Congressman Ney chaired the House Administration Committee that oversaw what the House was going to do on election reform. But Roy Blunt had a big role in that. And because of that, Roy Blunt turned to me as various iterations of what became the Help America Vote Act was considered by the House of Representatives. And so I saw these first copies. I saw what the first, you know, was. And, and Roy was very interested, at least for me, on what he thought would be a good bipartisan bill that not looking at it, he didn't want me to look at it through Republican eyes. He wanted me to look at it in a bipartisan way and think about that and where compromise could, could come. And so uh, the result was the House did pass something in a bipartisan way. Blunt worked very closely with Congressman Steny Hoyer, who's still in leadership, certainly in the House of Representatives, to craft this uh, bipartisan bill that eventually uh, passed the House of Representatives that created a body to kind of uh, oversee election reform in the United States, eventually called the EAC. And, and then the Senate passed its own version, uh, again, in a bipartisan manner. And uh, our own then-Senator uh, Kit Vaughn was involved in that bipartisan push in the Senate. And so there, was, uh, there were two bills, a House and Senate bill. The one version, the House version, had them as part-time commissioners, uh, but the Senate version had them as full-time commissioners. And uh, eventually the Senate version prevailed on the development of what the EAC was. You know, and I knew the Democrats wanted to set up uh, voting system standards that were mandatory, the Republicans voluntary, and they became voluntary voting system standards. So the bottom line is they, they passed this bill. They created this four-member agency of two Democrats and two Republicans recommended by the House and Senate and by the leadership of the House and Senate, appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate. And so it was a, a lengthy process to go through. But uh, the reason I got picked, really, is because, again, uh, owing it to Roy Blunt, uh, Roy Blunt was, um, was at the White House at a meeting where they were discussing who to appoint to the first commission, and uh, they had narrowed it down to eight people. And Roy was there, and he said, you know, you don't have anybody on this list who's ever run elections. They're all kind of political type people. They said, well, who do you have, Roy? And so well, I got this guy, Paul DiGiorgio from Missouri. He's well-respected. He was the director of elections in St. Louis County. And uh, there was somebody in the meeting at the White House that said, you know, I know who he is. He's well-respected. I used to order voter registration tapes from Paul in St. Louis County. And so the bottom line is, is that I um, had an interview at the White House. And then during that interview, the guy said to me, um, 
you know, I see you worked for General Ashcroft. Now, John Ashcroft was the Attorney General of the United States at the time. I said, yes, I, I did. And I said, does he know you're going for this? I said, no, I was told not to say anything to anyone, that this was supposed to be quiet. So I have not. He says, well, I work with General Ashcroft. I'll see him tomorrow. You know, and I said, well, you know, ask General Ashcroft of all the people he knows who, who runs elections the best. And so uh, the guy actually did the next day. And then Ashcroft called over to the White House, says, this is the best guy you can have in America for this job. So the White House called me the next day and said and offered me, you know, the job. So that's kind of how that came about. And then uh, I had this Senator Bond sitting next to me in front of the Senate, introducing me to the Senate Rules Committee, chaired by Senator Lott. And he took Bond took me around. And the same man I was his youth coordinator for in 1972, in 2003, he's sitting next to me, you know, uh, putting me forth before the Senate committee. I got confirmed unanimously along with my three colleagues. Uh, I got to go first that day because of really Senator Bond. So I was appointed to this body. And, uh, and my goal was to, you know, do the best I can in the country to serve the people of the nation and not in a partisan manner. And so um, I worked with Buster Soares, uh, who was a, sec was a Secretary of State of New Jersey at one time. The Secretary of State of New Jersey didn't have anything to do with elections, but he was well respected with uh, Gracia Hillman, who became vice chair, who, who was also on the commission, former head of the League of Women Voters, and, and Ray Martinez, who had worked in the, um, the Clinton White House as, in governmental affairs. And that was the first commission. And um, I met Gracia before we were confirmed uh, at a coffee shop in Washington at a Starbucks. And we, we hit it off immediately. And uh, our first job was to find real estate, a place for the EAC to land and meet with GSA and all those things to get things going on the EAC, even before we got confirmed by the Senate in December 2003. But my goal was to work in a bipartisan spirit. And I sat down with uh, Ray Martinez, Democrat, and we chatted for hours initially to say, OK, what, here's HAVA. And here's what we're supposed to do. Let's let's make a list of what we need to do according to what the law says we should do. And we did. And uh, it's amazing how we got through that checklist over, you know, over the, last, the next year or so to get everything done, you know, to get the certification, to get the voting system standards in place. You know, they just passed the the second, the, the newer 2.0 version. But I remember that one. And we had 6,700 public comments. And it was again Ray Martinez. I they went over every single one and talked about every single one and the merits of every one of these comments to consider them before we put the first voting system standards in place. And then the, the voting labs had to be certified, and then you know voting equipment. All of these things that we had to really get done in uh, in those first years because we wanted uh, people to take the EAC seriously. We wanted to be taken seriously. And we worked in a bipartisan manner. We had disagreements. And, you know, we had poll from Democrats had poll from the Democratic side. I had poll from the Republican side to vote certain ways and do certain things. But we really resisted that. The job was to serve the American people. And I was the one representative of the four who kind of represented local election officials around the country. And the Brianna, uh, Wendy Nord, who, you know, served in, in your position, for so many years, you know, was a Democrat. I was a Republican, but I relied on Wendy. I used to call her all the time, saying, "Wendy, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think?" You know, and she gave me all kinds of input, as you can imagine, because you you knew Wendy. You know, she was very opinionated, 
but she gave me some great advice, you know, as we were going through the voting system standards and what we should include and what we shouldn't. And uh, it was very helpful to me. So I reached out to Democrats and Republicans around the country, election officials, because I knew that election officials in this country work in a, such a bipartisan manner. And so we did that and we worked very hard. Part of it was this, you know, this clearinghouse, they called it back in the FEC days, but it was set best standards, best practices. And so we put together best practices for election officials. There was a lot that we did. And again, it was in a bipartisan manner. So when I was on the commission, uh, nearly four years, um, there was 183 votes cast. And of the 183, uh, 182 were unanimous. And, and that was a lot of work to get done. It's not that we didn't disagree, but we found ways to bring consensus forward and to get things done. So, Paul, it was interesting for me to hear about a formulation of HAVA and then your early days uh, on the EAC, that there was a lot of bipartisanship, at least it seems like, that HAVA was really a compromise. And a lot of things you did on the EAC were a compromise and juxtapose that with HR1 and S1 now that don't seem, at least in their current form, to be that way. And it seems like just generally in our political culture, that doesn't seem to be the case. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that uh, as to why now a huge bill that has a, a, a very large impact on election administration, there doesn't seem to be input from local election administrators. There doesn't seem to be any desire to compromise, at least at this point. Well, Eric, you know, whether it's um, federal legislation or whether it's uh, state legislation, and both seem to be, you know, legislation that's being uh, considered and passed on a partisan basis without bipartisan uh, input or really much input from election officials. It's sad and it's wrong. And it's wrong for this country. If we're ever going to build, rebuild trust in elections after, you know, they've been disparaged. They were disparaged in 2020 during the election and afterwards. Uh, we have to work in a bipartisan spirit. And again, I know at our core in this country, election officials work in a bipartisan spirit. And it just doesn't make sense why uh, elected officials who are involved in public policy making that, that affects uh, elections can't do the same and work in a bipartisan spirit. And there's overreach. I mean, there's overreach on one side and there's overreach on the other side in this legislation. And, you know, there was similar, you know, that back in 2001, uh, there was some legislation that would have been considered, you know, overreach on both sides that was uh, submitted to the Congress, but HAVA was the result of compromise. And, uh, you know, I hope that we might be able to get you know, some compromise, and there should be. Whenever election legislation is passed, really, uh, it, it should be on a bipartisan manner to instill trust, because if it's done in a partisan way, you know, whether it's in Georgia or whether it's, it's in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, you're going to breed distrust in the election process and, and anger and frustration. And we really don't need that in the country right now, we need a heck of a lot less than that, in fact, uh, more than ever. And it saddens me that someone like, you know, Senator Roy Blunt is opting to retire uh, because I know Roy and I know Roy, you know, he still has a great relationship with 
Congressman Steny Hoyer in the House. Uh, and I know how Roy, you know, tries to do things in a bipartisan manner when it comes to anything, and particularly, you know, especially when it comes to elections. So I don't know, you know, if there can be uh, some compromise. I hope that there can be, and I hope that election officials around the country, as they did in 2001 and before HAVA was passed in 2002, they came together. They let their voices be known to their elected officials on what they believed needed to be in election legislation or what, what should be considered. And I hope that they continue to do that because, you know, it's the election officials that, you know, run the elections in their districts. You know, the, the difference today, as opposed to back then, is that when congressmen were getting election results, they usually called their county clerk's office to get the results because it wasn't on, you know, it wasn't on the internet. And it, that's how they got the results from each county in the district. So they had a, they had a good relationship with each county clerk in their district or election officials. Today, they just go on the internet and they get it, you know, really quickly and they don't have that kind of relationship. But I wish, uh, I hope that uh, election officials around the country will speak to their congressmen and their senators about, you know, what, what would be good for the country and what would be good would be a bipartisan type of compromise that really helps both sides. They're not going to get everything they want, but like HAVA, it was something that made it harder to cheat, but easier to vote. You know, I think we can use some of that again by making it easier to vote. People certainly in 2020 and the ways that they voted around the country because of COVID, rest of the way that they like to vote. And so we should continue to make it easier to vote. But I think, you know, because of some people's concern about fraud, whether it's real or not, but because of their concerns, we need to have some, make sure there's safeguards in there too. I'm curious, kind of two things. One is, do you feel like when you left, was there a lot of unfinished business that you really wanted to do and just couldn't do? And two, not to be too pointed about it, but do you think it's moving in the right direction? Would you think that the EAC of now is what you expected it to be when you were on it? You know, we did a lot in my nearly four years though there. Uh, again, what was required on Ahava best practices was something that, you know, I thought was kind of an unfinished business when, when I left, but they did a good job. And, you know, but the problem would happen after I left is that I was replaced with a much more partisan person. And, uh, and as the Democrats left, they were replaced with more partisan people too. And so there was a time when there was really nothing getting done at the AC and there were two to two votes. And then, of course, there was a time when there wasn't even three commissioners to get anything done. And so it languished. You have to remember there was this, during that time, too, a lot of people wanted the EAC eliminated uh, because they felt that uh, it was too much federal overreach. But then it kind of came back, particularly when Matt Masterson got on the commission. And they did get some things done and they did move forward. But there's still uh, now... Um, you know, partisanship on the commission. And I don't know if they work cohesively as they did. It took them a while to reach a compromise and to get things done to get this latest version of the voting system guidelines in 2.0 passed. It was finally done. And that was so, that was unfinished business for years at the EAC. I don't know. I know all four people. 
uh, I wish they, they'd work in a more bipartisan manner sometimes than they do, because I think they'd be more effective if they did. But I know that some of them are pulled in, in partisan directions. And uh, I think if, uh, again, if they didn't do that, if they listened to election officials, they, they'd have more respect and be more effective. They, not that, I mean, they are effective and they are getting some things done, but I think there's more that they can do. And I think they're getting more funding from the Congress. They're getting more staffing. So I think with that, they, um, they can get more done for the election officials and the people of this nation. Since you were involved so much in the creation of HAVA, and then you ended up creating the EAC, as you personally were working on legislation and things, did you have a point when you were like, you know, that EAC portion of the law, that sounds like something I'd really like to get into, or was it like, how did that happen? I never had any intent ever. Uh, when I was looking at the legislation, I was looking at this commission, I really didn't think about going on that commission uh, at the time. Yeah, and you have to understand the context of the time. I was the executive vice president COO of the International Foundation for Election Systems, a, a, a nonprofit foundation that was working to promote democracy and elections around the, the country. And I had foreign employees in 23 countries under my wing. I was really focused on that, but I became focused on the U.S. But I, it really came out of the blue when Roy Blunt called me to ask me if I would consider going on the EAC. I, I never really thought that you know, uh, this was something that I wanted to do only because I really liked what I was doing at the time. So uh, I was honored when Roy called and asked me, but I have to tell you, I, I, uh, I considered it for two weeks. It's not saying, oh yeah, I'm going to jump. Oh, this is great for me to do. I really had to, you know, talk to my wife, pray about it, consider if this was something that I, I wanted to do. But in the end, I thought this was an opportunity for me to serve my country but really to bring a voice to the election uh, of election officials around the country, local election officials to this body, because what it became clear to me from what Roy Blunt was telling me that I would be the only one on the commission to have that voice. I felt this is something that I really needed to do. And so that's why I, uh, I went forth and agreed to, uh, to go on it. So we try to find a good summarizing thing but I think what I would really like to ask is what advice do you have for up and coming local election authorities? I think it's, uh, this, this, it's an important profession. And I mean, you know, profession of uh, election administration and whether, you know, you run for office, like do you do Brianna, or whether you're appointed to the job like Eric, Eric like you are. Um, and, you know, we have about 70% of the country where they run for, this, for these jobs. Um, that you really have an interest in it. And this is hard when people run on a partisan basis to you know, take off the partisan glasses and look at it in a more bipartisan manner in serving all the voters of, of, your, area, of your jurisdiction, because you know, that's really at its core what's important. And I think professional development is important too, that people have to understand this is an administrative job. You are a manager of elections in your, in your jurisdiction. And details matter. I mean, 
the people out here who know me and hear that said, oh, well, that's Paul's mantra. You know, that's what, that's what I've always heard Paul talk about. And that's what I would say to anybody wanting to get in this job and to get in the and once you're in it to understand the details, you know, and I know plenty of, of, of folks who've gotten into the job in a partisan manner who understand after they're in there, well, wow, you know, I'm serving everybody and I really have to tone down my partisanship. And I think, you know, I think if they do that, they'll find they will, the, the job is very rewarding that you're serving your voters. It's very difficult right now under, you know, these circumstances that people are um, attacking, you know, uh, election officials for one thing or the other. Uh, and you have to have thick skin. But I think if you keep your honesty, your integrity, and your professionalism, you'll do a great job. And uh, more than ever, we, we really need good people in these jobs. Well, I guess maybe just to end on, Paul, when I was uh, considering my current position, I think maybe very shortly after I had attained it, uh, you and I were having lunch and uh, you were giving me a number of pieces of advice. And one piece of advice that you gave me that has always stuck with me that didn't, didn't sink in right then, but you said, always do the right thing. And I just kind of felt like a platitude, like, you know, of course, whatever, you know, but after I'd been in the job for a number of months, then it sunk in because like you said, there are pressures on you, external, internal, there will be people that ask inappropriate things of you and things like that. And that is a tough thing sometimes to maintain the integrity and to always do the right thing. And I appreciate that piece of advice you gave me at the outset. And uh, I, I, didn't fully, I didn't fully appreciate it at the time, but I do now. Well, thank you, Eric. And uh, mentoring you and uh, is, is like Matt Masterson is one of the proudest things I've, uh, I've ever done in, 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 my, in my life and in my career. So uh, thank you for those kind words. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. And a big thanks to Paul DiGregorio for being our guest today. We hope you liked it, and we hope you tune into the next episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins.